Sam doesn't really need any introduction, but Sam has been in this church since 1998, yep. Yep. before I was born, and, um, <laughs> whoa, that's rude. No, it was, it was, obviously I was born. Um, and it uh, doesn't really need any introduction because Sam and Ronnie lead worship, but Sam is also a really gifted communicator, and she's going to be preaching today. So should we pray for you? Yes, please, yeah. God, we just thank you so much for Sam. Thank you that she's faithfully served you. Uh, in this church for many, many years now. Mm. We just pray that, that these words that you've given her to say today, Lord, that our hearts and our ears would be open and receptive to what you wanna say. So we pray, come Spirit of God. Amen. Amen, amen. I was obviously, am I on? Hello. There you go. I was obviously a child when I joined this church. You will realize that, don't you, in 1998? Um, now, I wanna start by asking you a question. I wonder if um, any of you guys here have ever witnessed a fight close up. You all look like you're very polite people, so probably haven't, but I have. Um, I spent a lot of time working in clubs and bars, so I've seen my fair few um, examples of fisticuffs. And the one that really stands out was um, one evening I was stood um, at kicking out time in like this little porchway that was at the front of the bar um, and it was myself and uh, manager Scott and we were, everyone was leaving and these two guys just randomly started fighting in the porchway and this space was small, it was really small and me and Scott are like pushed up against the back walls opposite walls with this fight going on between us and we're like what are we going to do how are we going to stop this fight now the other thing that had been happening that evening was that there was a stag do on and the stag was this massive guy who for some unknown reason had this big inflatable flower that he'd been carrying around all evening and he just decided that he wanted to leave so with spit and expletives and limbs going everywhere in this tiny space him and his flower just walked straight through and the flower got like grabbed and this guy just stopped turned around and said to these two guys get off me daisy it was honestly like the weirdest thing i've ever seen and these two guys also thought it was weird and they just kind of stopped fighting brushed themselves off, shook hands, and were like, yeah, yeah, sorry, mate, sorry, mate, yeah, and left. And me and Scott were like, thank goodness for that. That was the weirdest end to a fight I have ever seen. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the fight. Not just pub fights, but the fight that we are in that is all around us, the spiritual battle. But we're also going to look at what we've got in our hands to protect ourselves against it. And hopefully you'll see that it's a little bit more robust than a blown up daisy. Now, after the, over the last few weeks, we have been reading Paul's letter to the churches in Ephesus. And today we're coming to the closing verses. And this is like Paul's like graduation speech uh, to his readers. And he says, I've told you about the amazing work of Jesus, about your identities in him and what it means uh, for how you live. But before I sign off, there's one or two things I need you to know. And he says this, this is uh, chapter six, starting at verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. 
Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when that day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up your shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So Paul's saying, guys, it's gonna be rough out there and you need to prepare yourself for it. We're gonna be in a fight. But just like the character Q in the James Bond films, Paul is making sure that we have the right tools in our hands, just as Q gives James Bond the right tools for his mission. He's explaining what they are. So what is he warning us about? Who or what are we fighting? In verse 12, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. Now, I realize that this idea of a spiritual evil or devil might feel uncomfortable or just like straight up weird. And if you're visiting us today, you might be thinking, Are you serious? Do these guys actually believe in that cartoon guy with the horns and the trident who sits on our shoulder whispering and telling us to do crazy things? And I can say, no, we don't believe in that caricature of the devil. But it is clear throughout the Bible that its authors viewed evil as a spiritual force led by a personal enemy of God known as the devil or Satan. And the devil seeks to do whatever it can to oppose the work of God and to draw Christians' attention away from God. And Paul is using battle language here. He's talking about armor and standing and struggles. And in this battle, the devil and his allies, that's what Paul means when he's talking about the powers, they employ a whole range of weapons But perhaps the biggest one, and the one that I want to focus on today, is lies and untruth. In fact, the word in the Bible for devil means liar or slanderer. And we can experience those lies on a couple of levels, both personally and in society. We experience them personally, like those little voices that tell us we're not good enough for God or that he could never forgive us or use us, or that we are unlovable by anyone, let alone God. Or maybe that voice says we're better than God and we don't need him. But there also lies as a society. Much like propaganda is used in war, these lies spread untruths in the world. Things like, instead of looking to God for your happiness and your fulfillment, What about turning to things like money or success? Or instead of turning to God for our identity, we should just find it within ourselves, just live our own truth. Or the lie that says, rather than caring for the vulnerable, we should just look after ourselves because some people, you know, they just don't even deserve to be helped or cared for anyway. 
And we can see evidence of this anywhere we look in the world. Just pick up a newspaper or look at the news. God's perfect creation, including ours, has been distorted and corrupted from the way that he intended it to be. So how do these lies come to us? Um, I found this, um, uh, this concept from physics really helpful. I bet you didn't think you would be learning some physics this morning coming to church. But it's called sympathetic resonance. So if I was to go over to Grant's guitar and sing an E note, the E strings would vibrate and start to make a sound in sympathy or affinity to my voice. And in the same way, we're tuned to different notes. We have different things that we're more susceptible to. And whilst the Bible doesn't suggest that the devil can read our minds, and remember, I don't mean that little guy that sits on our shoulders, he and his allies do have a good idea of what notes to sing to affect us. So I've experienced this in my own life. Before I became a Christian, I just really struggled with my confidence. I had no confidence at all. And guys, Jesus has done an incredible work in me. But there are still times when I can feel that confidence being under attack in like this weird, extreme, exaggerated way. Like a couple of months ago in April, we hosted the Vineyard Leaders Gathering here. And for the first few sessions, I was just really battling with whether I belong there or not. I found myself hearing things like, you should just leave. You're not a good enough leader to be here. When those guys at the front are saying encouraging things about all the leaders, they mean everyone in this room except for you. And I wonder if some of us here can relate to something similar. Maybe you find yourself saying things like, my small group, they don't really like me. They find me really annoying. So I'm just going to keep quiet and not contribute. I'm not going to share. Or maybe it's people look down on me because of the way I look or where I come from. Or maybe it's if people really knew what I had done, what I was really like, they wouldn't let me step foot inside a church. Guys, those are lies of the enemy, and this is exactly what Paul is talking about. So what does he say we should do about it? He says in verse 11, put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. He talks about the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith. I'm not going to read them all out. But the thing I want to focus on, and hopefully you can see, is that if the devil's weapons are lies, the armor that God gives us is truth. Truth that is strong enough to overwhelm the lies. Truth of what God has done and what he says about us. Knowing that we are made righteous in Christ and that one day God will put everything, including us, back together just as he intended it to be. That we can have peace because we know what God has done for us. We can have faith, trust in the knowledge of our salvation and that we can be reminded about all of this in God's word by his spirit. Now, I know I just said a whole bunch of really Christian words just then, like righteousness and salvation, but basically what Paul is saying is the best defense against the lies of the enemy is to remember everything that I've been going on about in this letter, the truth that you are chosen and adopted and completely loved by God, the truth 
that through Jesus' work on the cross, we have been reconciled to God and to each other. And if you really want to live a life that reflects that in a world that doesn't want you to, you're going to really need to remember this stuff. Remember the truth. Now, I love roller coasters, but a few years ago, I had this horrible experience at a theme park when um, just as the roller coaster was going off, I realized that the bar that is supposed to hold me in hadn't clicked in properly, and I honestly thought I was going to be thrown off at any minute. And slightly unhelpfully, Catherine, who my friend sat next to me, thought that my screams of pure terror were screams of delight. She didn't help at all. But to be fair to Catherine, it wasn't an unreasonable assumption given how I'd screamed my way around the other roller coasters. But seriously, I thought I was going to die. And none of us want to get on a roller coaster without the safety bar, just as none of us want to go into battle without armor. So why wouldn't we put on the armor that Paul is talking about? What does that look like in practice? Well, first of all, it means reading this book, reading the Bible, countering the lies of the enemy with the truth of Scripture, reading things like some of the verses that we've looked at throughout this series. So, for example, when we're feeling unworthy or unlovable, we read that God chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. When we're getting drawn into the world's obsession with material wealth, we read that God has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. It means that when we're tempted to go our own way, we are reminded to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. I could go on and on, but hopefully you get my point. This book is precious. It has every truth that we need in it. Read it, immerse yourself in it. But there are other things we can do to put on that armor. Um, one of the weapons I love in particular is worship. And I really believe that when we worship, we take our eyes off all the stuff that is distracting us, all the stuff that is not of God that is calling for our attention, and look at Him. We look back at the goodness of God. You know, back when I was really battling with my confidence at the Vineyard Leaders Gathering, that's exactly what I did. I forced myself to engage in the worship. And I'll be honest, I did have to force myself because I was in a weird place. But as soon as I did, it felt like uh, the truths of God, the volume on that had just been turned up and the lies of the enemy were drowned out. And I really believe that strongholds are broken when we worship. Like my friend Toby, he had been suffering with depression um, quite badly over the last couple of years. And a couple of months ago during worship, Bernie, who was leading, really felt like the Lord wanted to bring people into freedom and started naming a whole bunch of things, including depression. And as soon as she said that word, Toby said he felt an icy sheet being pulled off him. He received prayer later that evening, and since that night, he's felt better than he has in years. So there's reading the Bible, there's worship, and of course, being with Jesus himself in prayer. And in fact, Paul goes on in this passage to say, pray in the Spirit on all occasions and with all kinds of prayers and requests. It makes me think of my 
dear, dear friend who at the moment is struggling with constant, debilitating pain. It's impacting every area of her life and it's stopping her from doing things that she really enjoys. And it is hard. And she said to me at times, it's felt like it's all just too much. But I was speaking with her this week and she said, sometimes all I can do is sit with Jesus. Knowing he understands gives me the strength to carry on. She is arming herself with the presence of God. And in these passages, Paul is using the present participle tense here. I had to look that up as well. Um, But it basically means it's a continuous action. It doesn't mean that we put the armor of God on once and we're done with it, hear the good news and then we're protected. No, we have to do this stuff regularly. Going back to the physics, going back to sympathetic resonance. Um, If I was to move over to Grant's guitar and and move the knobs on the strings, the the note of the string would change. It would go out of tune. And if you play a stringed instrument, you know that. You just have to tune it every time you pick it up because it just slips out of tune naturally. And guys, we're exactly the same. We get out of tune very quickly. And spending time with God, doing things like reading the Bible, worshipping him, prayer, it tunes the strings of our heart back to the truths of God so we can be in harmony with him. And I think there's an invitation here today for all of us to really think about whether we're spending um, daily time reflecting on the truth, remembering God's word, spending time with him, hearing the truth that he says about us. Because if we don't, we're walking into battle without any armor on. And once we're fully dressed in the armor, then we are ready to stand. Paul says it a lot in this passage. I don't know if you noticed when I was reading it. And especially in verse 13, he says, stand your ground, stand your ground. And when you're done standing, stand some more. He's saying, keep going, don't give in, don't lose hope, keep up, stand. Watchman Nee was a church planter and leader and he wrote a great little commentary on this letter to the Ephesians in which he describes the message in three words. Sit, walk, stand. We are to sit with God, knowing him, what he has done for us and our identity in him. We are to walk or live as followers of Jesus and we are to stand in the face of opposition. Watchman Nee spent the last 20 years of his life in prison because of his faith. He knew what it meant to take a stand. He knew the truth of God, and despite the consequences, he kept going and pursued a life for him. A few years ago, a lady called Joanne Moody came to this church and shared her story. She was left with debilitating nerve, a nerve condition after having her first child. For 14 years, she was immobile and in constant pain. She had to be propped up to sleep, and when she came to church, she had to lie on the floor. She had numerous operations, and in fact, in one of them, she actually died on the operating theater and, and had to be revived. And during those years, she had to wrestle with the question of why. Why was she experiencing all this pain? If God loved her so much, why didn't he just heal her? 
She went to numerous healing conferences. She was prayed for a hundred times and she saw many other people being healed. But she eventually found that her physical healing lay the other side of a spiritual battle for truth and lies. She said, I paid attention to the rejection, that I was not worthy to be healed. What had been going on was that the devil had been whispering all the lies that had convinced me that I could not and maybe should not be healed. She eventually met a man called Richard who through the Holy Spirit started to identify some of these lies of the enemy and encouraged her to break that agreement with them, the way that she'd allowed her mind to accept the lies even though she knew that wasn't what the Bible said. They prayed together and eventually she overcame the lies and then she was completely and permanently healed. Joanne goes back to her pastor and at this point, her pastor didn't believe in supernatural healing, so he was quite surprised to find her even standing in her office, and Joanne really wanted to make the point, so she did a high kick, and at that point, he went, yeah, I think supernatural healing might be a thing, and after that, um, this amazing ministry of healing came through that church and through Joe. You know, taking a stand against the devil's schemes not only jo freed Joanne up, but opened up this incredible work of God through her and her church. Now, I don't want to suggest that if you have a physical condition that hasn't been healed, it's because you're somehow in agreement with the devil. But hopefully you can see how easily we can be held back from the things that God has for us if we start to listen to the lies of the enemy. And so Paul is encouraging us here, although you will face opposition, stand your ground. And this will look different for different ones of us. It might mean continuing to trust in God's goodness, even when things are really hard. Like the friend I told you about who's got constant pain. You know, sometimes standing means finding the strength just to sit with Jesus. It might mean fervently holding on to the truth that God says about you that you are loved and valued even though you feel like you are unworthy and unlovable. It might mean putting your head above the parapet and speaking out against oppression or injustice or speaking out against something you see in the workplace that is just not of God. It might mean living a different lifestyle to your friends and family even though it is countercultural and uncomfortable. Whatever that looks like, Paul says, stand. And friends, we do not do this alone. We have the Holy Spirit, but we also have each other. Our vision for this year is based on a verse in Ephesians, which, which starts with, from him, the whole body, that's us, the church, are joined and held together by every supporting ligament. We are joined and held together. And as I was preparing this talk, I started thinking about armor, and particularly Roman armor, um, because Ephesus was a Roman city. And I was reminded of this amazing technique that the Romans used in warfare known as the tortoise. Who knew a tortoise was good in warfare? But actually, this is an amazing technique. The soldiers would stand in a group and pack their shields together to create a shell around themselves, which meant that any attack of the enemy could not get through no matter what direction it came from. 
And any single soldier, no matter how good they are at fighting, are vulnerable to attack. But when you stand together, you are stronger than the sum of the parts. And sometimes we need to do that for each other. Stand with each other. It means reminding each other of the truths in the Bible, maybe praying passages over one another, or having faith for someone else, encouraging them, spurring them on. And small groups are a great way to start with that. They're a place where we can be real about the attacks we're facing, and we can stand with one another. And I would really encourage you, if you are a member of this church and you are not in a small group, go to the Connect desk at the end of the service and get in one. Go find your tortoise. Some of us here today, we are in the thick of it. We're feeling the attack of the enemy and we need to put on the armor. We need to get into the presence of God and remind ourselves of the truth that he says over us. Some of us aren't in the thick of it ourselves at the moment, but know someone who is, and God might be asking us to think about what we can do to stand with them. Others of us feel like we've been standing for a really long time, and we're tired. We're exhausted, and we've taken some punches, and we need some strength to carry on. But for all of us, here at the end of his letter to the Ephesians, Paul reminds us that for anyone wanting to walk with God, we are going to face opposition. We are going to face the truths, the untruths that are sown by the enemy. But remember that the armor of God gives us the truth we need, truth that is strong enough to overwhelm the lies. And our job is simply to remember to put it on.